0: Mission sequence
1: start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero... Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you've got ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. There's actually more than two, but I'm only going to give you two today, so you know, just deal with it. Um, Email ignition at sfcatholic.org. I've got a couple of emails recently from listeners, and um, uh, by the time you're hearing this, you might already have re- heard your gotten the response, so it's a great way to reach out. Or if you are on Twitter, you can tweet at us. The Twitter handle is sfdiocese and use the hashtag ignition so it gets properly the tweet gets properly routed. So there you go, two easy ways to contact us. You could also, I guess, other ways. If you contact the diocesan office, you could call the diocesan offices um, and they'll put you through right away to Father Schulten, who's my guest host today. Actually, not. No, uh, no. <laughs> what about uh, what about Telegram? to te- te- takes telegram. So you know when Father Dickinson was on um, ignition uh carrier pigeon was his line but telegram yeah telegram mm-hmm. we, um mm-hmm. smoke signals I suppose I wonder if telegram can you still send telegram I think you can still send telegram
0: You can. Yeah. yeah. I've heard at least I hear stories about people getting a telegram from you know you get a telegram from the Vatican or something. Not go. most people. Yeah. No. If you have contact me. <laughs> Please and just tell me the story cuz that's fascinating. Amen.
1: So the voice, the, the voice you're hearing is Father Joseph Scholten. Father, would you mind just sharing a little bit about your audience in case they have not heard your dulcet tones on Ignition before? I am Father Joseph Scholten, a priest for the Diocese of Sioux Falls, serving at St.
0: Lambert Parish and O'Gorman High School. Glad to be with you on this podcast.
1: Broadcast. Yes. Yes, because it's both Which radio is, and on demand streaming online bingeable episodes of ignition right. in our archives. If you binge listen to me, I'll be honored. <laughs> actually, one of our the listeners who has reached out to us has been, really been enjoying um the series that we're actually gonna be picking up on today hey, on the case for Jesus. So your lucky day. There you we go. You're back. <laughs> So uh, my name is is Chris Bergwald, Um, Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Now, as we're recording this, married for 19 years, Father, since you and I were together last, um... Jermaine and I had our anniversary, and um, we have five kids. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Five kids. Um, Oh, and Father, you would be pleased to know that uh, we were married on July 31st. July 31st, Father. Father. <laughs> it's the feast of... I draw a blank,
0: a blank whenever you do this. It's St. Ignatius. St. Ignatius yeah, of Leola. It just took me a second.
1: Because Father Father Shulton, well, I should let you speak for yourself. Uh, why is that relevant to our conversation? Oh, our I studied with the Jesuits in
0: Rome. St. Ignatius, of course, founded the Jesuits. Yeah.
1: Hundreds of years ago. Hundreds of years And they're still around. That's right. So interestingly now, we're, we're, we're recording today on the 8th of August, the Feast of uh, St. Dominic, yes, um, the founder of the Dominicans, the Order of Preachers. But yes. the one thing that I didn't realize until today was um, that he, uh, he, he formed the Jesuits, I think it was... Um twelve fifteen, would that be the right century? The Dominicans. The, 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 sorry, the Dominicans. And twelve fifteen. But he died six years later. Really? Yeah, he he wow. died only six years after wow. after formally founding the Order of Preachers. I imagine that. Yeah. So so that that was fascinating yeah. to me. Ignatius I mean he, he lived for I think decade, a few decades, a couple decades at least, didn't he? After he I'm not sure, but after yeah, no, he I found believe the Jesuits. So. so anyway. Yeah. Um, yes and there's a there's a little rivalry because i attended the dominican school in rome the, Angelic- <laughs> the angelicum the pontifical university of saint thomas aquinas whereas father again just at, uh, he studied with the jesuits at the gregoriana so um, here we are though today not talking about Neither Saint Ignatius <laughs> nor Saint Dominic, but the man uh, who they both devoted their lives to following. Yes, who is also the Word man incarnate, more than a man, man, <laughs> but fully a man, but fully, a man. <laughs> just more.
0: <laughs> of course, our Jesus Lord is, and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're going to be... be forever.
1: What's the response to that? I don't
0: know. I just said okay. Blessed be he forever. <laughs>
1: Um, so Father and I have this this occasional series that we do on Dr. Brent Petrie's fantastic book, The Case for Jesus, uh, which just lays out, and I, I didn't bring my copy today, Father, I, neither of us did, a um, couple hundred pages-ish, yeah. would you say? Yeah, around, um, around 200. And very readable book, but mm-hmm. laying out The Case for Jesus, um, basically, especially around the the good reason to trust in the Gospels. Yes, yeah.
0: We can trust them. We can trust what they say. We can trust their heads historicity and their accuracy
1: yeah. and the essentials. Okay. Historicity, well, we, we've used that word in previous episodes. We should we should um, uh, just explain. Uh, there's not much to unpack, but let's just briefly unpack. What does the word historicity mean? I'd say the, the quality of being historically reliable okay. and accurate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Um, it's a very clear, concise definition for a Jesuit trained priest. Thank you. You well. Um, So we are going to pick up where we left off, actually in episode three fifty one. So if you want to go back, um, we are in the. This is the fourth part of our of our series on Doctor Petrie's book, The Case for Jesus. What we're sort of doing here is is summarizing some of the things he talks about in the book, and then riffing on them a little bit. I don't know. I, adding our own insight, our own commentary, and so on. And for me, Father, I'd be curious to hear your answer to this question, but if somebody were to ask me, okay, all right, Chris, Dr. Bergwald, why are you devoting, um, well, to turn out to be multiple episodes to this book? Why why did Dr. Petrie write a couple hundred pages on this topic? For me, I think one of the answers I might give to that is uh, simply the fact that people uh, today have been uh, questioning and sometimes do question the historicity the historical ver- validity of the gospels and what dr petrie does in his book is a masterful job of showing how as as you were just saying these books are reliable they do absolutely. tell us what's real. so that's that's how i would answer do you yeah, have a similar yeah, answer different? absolutely
0: i would say you know in this context we want to <clears throat> want to help you to know the faith so that you can share it we want to help your your efforts to evangelize Uh, share this good news with those around you. And it's important to know that this good news is based on facts. You know, the Christian uh, proposal isn't just a a theory. Here's a good way to live, you know, like the, like the latest version of mindfulness or yoga or something, but it's, it's grounded in something that happened. And if, uh, if we're not clear about that, or if that foundation is kind of shaky, then the whole thing falls apart. Um, we're trying to show on, um, uh, to the contrary, that that Jesus Christ really lived, that he made certain claims about himself and that certain things happened
1: uh, around him and in his life that are still relevant to us today. And, and to, to, along those lines, then just going running with that for a bit, I think this shows how our faith, what we hold. to So as Catholics, we hold obviously to teachings. We, we, we believe in certain doctrines. We acknowledge them as true statements that reflect reality. But they're all somehow related to things that have actually happened in history. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they're grounded in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. It's not just ideas. These are all things that actually happen. I'm thinking here, especially, for instance, of St. Paul speaking about the resurrection of Jesus in particular. Sure. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then your faith is in vain. Right, right. So it's, this right. is not just about... Uh, learning a moral system, absolutely, or yeah. or an ideological assist, a, a set of ideas, it is about those. But those things all rest; they're all grounded on historical truths, culminating in the life, teachings, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Absolutely, so, yeah, okay, yeah. So, so where if you, if, you um, if you've been following along this series, or if you uh, go back and, and get caught up on this series, we 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 talked last time about the the fact that. All of the Gospels are attributed to the men that they're attributed to, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And that's unanimous throughout. There was never a time when uh, somebody said that what we call the Gospel of Matthew was written, really written by Joseph, uh some so and so and so on so no they were always attributed to the authors that we attribute them to mm-hmm, today mm-hmm. and we talked a little bit about each of those men and then we touched briefly father on the lost quote unquote lost gospels those right. gospels that that aren't included in scripture and we talked about why that is right um right. Today where, where do we want to go uh, in in this episode um picking up where we left off from last I, time
0: Yeah I think I think it's good to just talk about what sort of thing the gospels are okay. you know,
1: what sort of what's referred to
0: as the literary genre the type of literature that the gospels are are intended to be Okay you know because if you don't understand what a piece of writing is, then you'll then you'll misinterpret it. You know,
1: hey, you, what what might be it is an example of that problem come to mind where um, when we're, we're we're not aware of the genre of something how that can get us into sure, trouble.
0: Sure, well, you know, there's there's the genre mm. of allegory, right? Something like like Aesop's Fables, or something, you know, like you read the story of the of the. Uh, of the hare and the turtle, yeah, you know, and and slow and steady wins the race, right? I don't know if that's
1: actually Aesop's fable or just something else, but something <laughs> yeah. along those lines, you know. Um. So, you, what, by the way, just to be clear, what's your cell phone, people, so people can text you and call you <laughs> correct when, when you correct your—that's right. English professors out there, are like, what, is, <laughs> what he is he talking about? about? That's right. That's right. Forgive me. <laughs> so, I please, theology, not. <laughs> so, Aesop's fables, not literature. Uh, an example of yeah. So you you know you hear the story
0: of the of the uh, of the hare and the and the tortoise, yeah. right? The tortoise and the hare, I think. Yeah. And uh, and you read that, and then the moral: slow and steady win the win the race. Okay, so you can say, ah, that's and in some sense that can be true, even though it's not probably true that. This, these two animals decided to have a race one day, and then the turtle actually won. Um, think, and even if yeah. that has happened, that's not the intention of the story, right? The story is meant to to convey something else, right? Um, and you need to understand that. Otherwise, you'll read it. You know, if you if you if you think this is a biology textbook or uh, or a, a news report, uh, you'll just you'll grossly misinterpret what's going on. Dateline: Hair versus think Either. This is incredible! How can that? I, I can't believe such a thing happened. I need to go meet this tortoise.
1: That's amazing. Uh, or you'll think, yeah. So genre matters. Genre matters. Matters. matter matters. That that's a great tagline. If we don't say anything else, genre matters. Yes. Okay.
0: Okay. That being said, the gospels, uh, the gospels have been misinterpreted, especially in the. Uh, in the context of modern scholarship, there are various uh, various proposals about the Gospels that simply mistake the genre and interpret the Gospels as, you know, moral allegories right. um, or these sort of spiritualized tales that are meant to convey a truth that is not historically accurate. Okay. Um, contrast that with the genre of a biography, right? Um I'm reading a biography of an Italian priest right now, and it's it goes through details. It's trying to tell events that happened in his life and how they influenced him as a person, and uh, and so his, the historicity once again matters in the in the genre of biography. And uh, as we'll see, the evidence points to uh, biography
1: as the genre of the Gospels. The Gospels are okay. biographies, so they're not as you were just saying. Because like, I, I think that. Um, Certainly when I was studying theology, well, I can say a couple decades ago now, Father, can I can't? Wow. Uh, a couple decades ago <laughs> right. when I was, but even back think, in the, back in the 20th, century. <laughs> back in the 20th last century, last century, last, last century, <laughs> uh, but I think it's still around today. Uh, a, a common understanding, if you go into maybe a bookstore and you grab a book, uh, on the, a commentary of the gospels or, or explaining the gospels, um, uh, you're likely to find this theory that you were just articulating that it's not that oh the gospel writers did not intend to to teach historical truths that they're merely passing on spiritual wisdom sure
0: sure or advice to the churches or in the communities that they were writing to and that's all present that's all there right um, but there's also the the, the the bare bones history that happened and I um, and a good example of that is what you hear about the multiplication of the loaves and the fish and that's in um, all of the Gospels have right. an account of of Jesus uh, multiplying loaves you know the, um, in some cases it's a, some some of them it's a boy who has a basket with loaves and fish other, other times the disciples just say well we have these loaves but in any case the the crowd is far too big they only have a, a small amount of food and yet Jesus gives thanks uh, breaks the bread and then it's distributed to the crowds and there's miraculously enough for everyone to eat. And one way that's been interpreted in modern scholarship is that, oh, well, this isn't really an event that happened on a particular day of the year. Right. This is this is a story that's meant to show uh, the importance of of generosity and and community and sharing uh, within the early. Christian church, you know, it's advice to, to give of what you have so that all may be fed. And it certainly might be that it may be uh, a good example and, and encouragement to our own generosity and, and spirit of sacrifice like this boy. Uh, but it also happened. Right. At least that's what the gospels are proposing.
1: It's that not, this is a thing that took place. So it's not going back to your example earlier of other sorts of genres. It's not like Aesop's fables.
0: No. No. And it tells us something about Jesus because if the, if the gospels are biographies, then any event that's recorded in there ought to help our understanding of who Jesus is. Uh, and the same is true of the, of the multiplication of the loaves. Not only does this encourage us to share with one another, but it also tells us something about this man, you know, namely that he's the same God that provided for his people in the desert when Moses, uh, Prayed and manna
1: was given from heaven. So, so uh, as opposed to being merely fable, and and it, as opposed to being merely uh, messages for the churches or spiritual wisdom. Again, it includes all those things. But, but what we're saying here is they are biographies, and therefore they are telling the truth of what Jesus actually did and said and taught. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So how, how do we know that? Like, again, so I, I should say, historically, I think throughout the 20-some, almost 20 centuries of, of the church's history, that's been that was believed to be the case. It's only been right. the last couple centuries right. that that was sort of drawn into question and in doubt that maybe the biographies aren't really bi- uh or maybe the gospels aren't really biographies. Right. A couple questions around that father. First of all, how do we know their biographies? Uh, and then another question, why was that called into question to begin with? Sure. Either of those. Sure. Yeah. Well,
0: why, yeah. Why question it? Because if you, if you pick up and, and read them, um, it's pretty easy to tell that these are uh, at least set historically that they concern or revolve around the life of one particular individual, namely Jesus of Nazareth. And so, at face value, they they have a lot in common with biographies. But they were called into question um, largely because they don't resemble modern biographies. Ooh. You know, for example, this biography I'm reading right now is clocks in at somewhere close to. Uh, two thousand pages. Right. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, Jesus didn't need a biography that long, but it but it goes into uh, specific details of of each year of this individual's life, even you know as a child and before um, before he came onto the public scene. Um, that's not the case with the Gospels. You know, they 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 can be pretty sparse on so-called biographical details. You know, what what day he was born, what his hair color was, and right. and uh, and. You know, everything that happened to him. And so, um, because they don't match modern biographies, um, for example, they don't tell us his appearance or his personality, per se, uh,
1: the accusation is that they're they're not actually concerned with history. So they so they don't. There's a contrast in style, if you will, between the four gospels that we find in scripture and modern biographies. And the so the argument goes: therefore, because they're not written the way that we read write biographies today, we can't call them biographies,
0: right? But I think you'll look uh, if you look at ancient biographies, you'll find that they follow a very similar pattern, and that pattern is mirrored in the gospels. Um, For example, ancient biographies they focus on the life and the death of of a single individual. That's okay. true of the gospels. That's true of other biographies, such as, you know, the life of Socrates things. They, uh, they average between 10,000 and 20,000 words. And, and interestingly, all of the gospels fall within that mm. range as well in Greek. Uh, and that's lo- somewhere longer than, than an ancient letter um, or an epistle. And, but shorter than a, a whole history, which takes up several volumes, a biography ancient biography typically fit on a single scroll of parchment. And that's, uh, that's the case with the gospels, you know, that they were written on one uh, in one medium and that could be transported pretty easily, um, et cetera. Often, but not always, they begin with a person's ancestry. Mm. And then we open in the gospel of Luke or we go mm-hmm. to the gospel of Matthew. And what do we find? You know, The ancestry.
1: Right. Genealogy. Right. The genealogy
0: of, of this individual, John as well. Gives us a genealogy, right. right? He does give us a, a divine <laughs> genealogy. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he gives us an origin for sure. Uh, unlike most modern biographies, uh, ancient biographies weren't necessarily in order all of the time. Obviously, you have a you have a basic order, you know, birth, life, death, Jesus, resurrection, um, but some of the individual episodes. And they're not, uh, not always uh, told in order. and Between the different gospels, you see a different order of events. You know, sometimes miracle takes place in one place, but in one gospel, but then it takes place in a different place in a different gospel. The cleansing of the temple. In John's gospel, it comes at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, in the synoptics. Uh, it's off, it's at the end, or it's at the uh, the end of his public ministry. Right. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean it didn't happen,
1: right? Um so that goes to, um, and, and maybe if you, if you want to put this off a bit, that's, that's fine. But I think that gets to the fact that one difference between modern biographies and the um, the, the biographies of that the, that the Gospels are is that modern biographies pretty much are just telling us just the facts, ma'am, for no apparent reason, if you will. I mean, the, the, the rationale of the biographer is, if you will, merely to relate— the, the life and times of an important personage. Whereas for the gospel authors, they are relating the life and times of an important personage so that we might come to faith or deepen our faith and be saved by this important personage, right? So, so there's, there's another, um, uh, a higher level that's the right way to put it, a higher purpose maybe for why the gospel writers are writing in addition to relating just what Jesus did. Like, sure, like sure. Matthew, Matthew's not concerned about what Jesus had for breakfast um, when he was 17 because his point is to bring you and I to into living contact with Jesus. Right. So those right. little details that we might find in modern biography are, are, are jettisoned because it's in keeping with the ancient um, genre of a biography Right and because it doesn't serve the the other purpose for which Matthew is writing his gospel.
0: Right. Yeah. I'd say that's I'd say that's pretty accurate. the uh, The gospels nor any other ancient biography don't intend to tell us the entire uh, the everything about this person. Right. And as we find at the end of, of John's gospel, John twenty one twenty five, you know, uh, John says there are many there are also many other things which Jesus did, and were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Right. You know, so he's, he's saying there's a lot that happened in the life of this man. Uh, I'm writing these, as he says in the first before that, um, where he's writing them so that, so we would come to know and believe in him. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't draw quite so hard a distinction between, modern biographies in the gospels in that, you know, any even a modern biography has a, has a higher purpose than simply recounting the facts. You know, biographies, of a, a step above, say a Wikipedia article or something. Okay, sure. Um, but, but that's absolutely true that, that uh, a simple uh, recounting of, of facts date by date is, is not,
1: the goal of the of the gospels. So, just to be clear, you're you're disagreeing with the host. Is that what I'm? I was trying to be
0: gentle about it.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, it's been great having you. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Ignition, the broadcast of the new evangelization. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. Father Joseph Scholten is with me, and we're talking about um, the case for Jesus, uh, fantastic book by Dr. Brant Petrie. And we're not really talking about the book. We're talking about some of the contents of the book and and adding our own uh, commentary as well. Father, we've got about four minutes left uh in in this episode um we're talking here about how the biographies uh, the gospels rather are authentic biographies um wondering what are some other points in the in the few minutes we have left around this idea well
0: i think it'd be great to uh look at luke okay you know so if the if the claim is that the the gospels might make for good reading but they're not actually uh historical, they're not actually historical biographies, then uh, it doesn't really make sense. Uh, that, that theory doesn't make sense of, uh, of what we find in the gospel according to Luke and some things that corroborate that. So if you just bear with me, this is from the first chapter of Luke. Okay. Luke 1, one. And as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things which have been accomplished among us, just as they were delivered to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the truth concerning the things of which you have been informed. That's how Luke begins his work, his biography of Jesus, which is the gospel according to Luke. And this, the language he uses there is pretty concerned with accuracy right. and truth. Right. Know. Uh, the th- and the things which have been accomplished among us. So again, he's talking about things that have happened, a narrative, um, an orderly account, and he and he describes uh, receiving this from eyewitnesses, right? And so these, what he's claiming is that this actually happened. Now you could say, great, but that doesn't even that doesn't make him a historian just because he's claiming to be historically uh, concerned. But listen to this, everything that Luke, every time Luke as an author makes reference to a historical detail, it's corroborated by outside Ooh, evidence.
1: External evidence. I'll just, okay. I'll
0: give you some examples for uh, the beginning of Luke's gospel, uh, Luke chapter two, Jesus is born. And as we're all familiar with from the Christmas story, Jesus is born in Bethlehem because uh, a Syrian governor named Quirinius was, was conducting a census. Now, archaeological discoveries have have corroborated, have verified that there was a Quirinius who was the proconsul of Syria from eleven BC until the until the death of Herod. Mm. Right. So so there's a person. So Luke, if he's not writing history, he's very concerned about historical <laughs> accuracy. Right? Okay. Similar, um, similarly, he described it in uh, Tetrarch Licinius who was reigning over Abilene, I'm not sure how to pronounce that's that. That's fine. When John the Baptist <laughs> began his ministry, that's in Luke 3.1. Okay. Right? Um, and two, inscription, two inscriptions have been found. So physical inscriptions in stone describing Licinius, the same, uh, the same man, a tetrarch of Abila, Abila. So same place that Luke describes in 3.1. Um, and then in Acts, uh, Luke describes the city called Iconium, which uh, which was lost. That city had not been mm. found, but is described in Acts thirteen fifty one. And in nineteen ten, a monument was discovered that confirmed the location of the city. So uh, there are dozens of examples like this. Luke is concerned about writing accurate history, and we shouldn't doubt that his same that concern extends to the to the very subject of his gospel oh, as well.
1: So the gospels just to to put a bow on this are in fact um, biographies and that's the point of what we've been saying here that, that, the, that the Gospels can be read um, as biographical accounts of what Jesus really did and said taught. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us at ignition at sfcapit.org or tweet at us at SFDiocese and use the hashtag Ignition with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes.
0: And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
1: Amen. Amen.